have to go with KJ kind of by uh, default. You know, obviously three passing touchdowns out there, and and he was he was extremely efficient. That's the the biggest key. He only threw twenty three passes, but completed eighteen of them. And you only see 246 yards in today's college football. That's not a lot of yardage for a quarterback. But you have to remember, he only threw 23 passes. He, you know, what they didn't ask him to, to roll back a lot. And um, if for nothing else, he had one of probably my favorite plays that I've ever seen in college football. There was a, a defender who broke through the line. On KJ, if anybody's watching watch the game, you you know what I'm talking about. Broke through the line, untouched. Just him running at KJ. It, it was a hundred percent for sure sack. Most quarterbacks would have curled up into the fatal position and fallen to the ground, trying not to get hurt. What does KJ do? Probably against the better advice of his coaches, he stands there, stands his ground. The guy bounces off of him like a rubber ball falls to the ground and he's looking up at KJ as much shock as anyone in the stands is this guy you know Superman is, is this is this is this the Hulk that I'm trying to tackle KJ stands there throws the pass and uh, and and gets the pass off in time just like nothing had happened right. and uh, after the game I know Sam Pittman mentioned uh, it's the first time he thinks he's ever seen that as a coach where uh, a defender has broken through the line untouched at the quarterback and just bounced off the quarterback after hitting him like like he wouldn't even stand there. So that's the benefit of having a, a, a big quarterback like KJ. And, you know, he, he that's all you needed to do in that game was not get hurt, be efficient, get your receivers uh, uh, accustomed to get a game atmosphere, a Razorback atmosphere. That's a check, check, check for me. So even though the stats weren't gaudy, the running game certainly didn't give us any reason to uh, to to choose any any part of the running game over KJ. So he gets my game ball for offensive player. You know, and, and you know, you make you make a good point. Even the Western Carolina coach after the game, when asked about that particular play, you know, and he he played quarterback in Florida, he played in the NFL. He said he'd never seen anything like that. That's right. I'm sorry. I said Sam Pittman. I'm, I was I was meaning the uh, the uh, Western well, Western Carolina coach. You know, and you know he uh, you know he he said he's never seen anything like that. And you know I don't think you know I don't I didn't have to look very far into the game uh, to pick out my play of the game. I mean, when, on your second offensive snap, you throw a pass to, to Jaden Wilson. There's one block, and 65 yards later, he's in the end zone for a touchdown. Uh, that would be my play of the game, uh, to, which was the first score of this young season for for our beloved team. Uh, but but to answer to to kind of hit on the running game, uh, I think that Western Carolina came into this game with the sole purpose. Well, we know we're fixing to get steamrolled, but they're not going to run the ball on us. Yeah, they were they were efficient in stopping that. And yeah, I don't know. Would, would you say that it had something to do with maybe some younger offensive linemen or just that many guys in the box? 
I think it was probably more on the side of the, the number of players that they put in the box and the number of um, the emphasis. you got to give credit to their coach. Their coach predicted what our game plan was most likely going to be, and that was run the ball, try not to pass too much and get in a situation where we might throw an interception or have some incompletions that force us to punt and give them the ball back. And Western Carolina basically said if we could just take away the run, and make them pass, good things might be able to happen for us. But if we let them run the ball all over us, there is no way we're going to stay in this game. Because, and so it was, I credit more Western Carolina. That being said, when you've got a team like Western Carolina, a small team like that, you're playing in Little Rock, which used to be hallowed ground, not so much anymore. I saw a lot of empty seats in the stands, unfortunately. Although I did have a, a few friends who made it to the game over there, which was good. Um, but but when you're playing in, in Little Rock and you're playing at home in front of your fans with, with a small team like that, you've got to have your way with players of that caliber. And, you know, not taking anything from Western Carolina, but this they're not an SEC team. If you're not able to push them around and, and create holes against Western Carolina, what do you think you're going to do against LSU, Alabama, and Texas A&M? You know, so that is a wake-up call. And I have to say, I'm, uh, you know, if there's any part of the game where I didn't think we needed as much work, I thought it was running the running game on offense. So maybe we need a wake-up call because – you know, we came in feeling very good about that aspect of our game with the number one running back in the SEC and two first and second team uh, offensive linemen. Maybe we need to, to look at that again and, and start um, a refocus on that. Well, and I, I know one of one of those offensive linemen didn't play, so uh, and I think that might have you know might have made some of the difference. You know, that continuity on the offensive line with with Brady Latham not playing, but yes. at the same time. Isaiah Satania back there for 
Oh, yeah. I, I liked what I saw from him, for sure. Uh, definitely liked what I saw in the return game. Uh, I liked what I saw with that, that defensive play where uh, we stripped the guy of the ball, uh, picked it up, and then um, I ran it back for touchdown. Yeah. Well, that, I think that was a pick six, actually. Of, of, of oh, the pick six. Well, I, I guess I'm talking about the end of the second half. I don't think well, I don't think we went back for a touchdown, but we stripped the ball of him towards the end of the second half there and uh, and recovered it to give us some short field position. But, yeah, the, the pick six was also good where – uh, they were driving. Linebacker, you know, I mean, the, the freshman uh-huh. linebacker, you know, getting some of his first playing time, and he'll probably get some more playing time because, unfortunately, uh, you know, which was another really. Uh, but you want to make these mistakes in these games, but you know, losing uh, losing Chris Paul Jr. for the first half, uh, it's gonna it's gonna give us uh, a, a chance to see some of these younger guys at linebacker because, you know, unless it's overturned, uh, we won't we won't have one of our starting linebackers. These are the games that you want to have the high snaps that we had. You want to have the rough in the passer and the, the, the targeting penalties if you ever want to have one. You want to have them in these games. That way you're not losing a, a Chris Paul or, or somebody even more important against somebody like an LSU or an Alabama. Definitely, definitely. And uh, I will say about the point on our running game, for one, I sure hope that Rocket was not hurt because this is the first game of the season. And we got to keep people healthy. We can't have people getting hurt, on, you know, coming in banged up. I, there's nothing more uh, frustrating than that. But I, I take the opposite approach. I say we need to let him run, especially at the goal line. I want to pad his stats. But let him run wild and free against Kent State. Because – and, and just, just get build some confidence. Because like you said, this is a team that just got gashed. Probably – the most most anyone's given up. I, ha- I have to imagine no one gave up more rushing yards than they did last week. They, I mean, they gave up over 700 total yards. You know, yeah, they, they and then you said over 400. Yeah. Almost 400, almost 400 rushing yards, and it was so, like 732 yards offense that they gave up. So this, so, I mean, yeah, yeah, this, this yeah. is your home opener in Fayetteville, and it's a perfect situation to get the fans energized for the season. So I think you definitely play Rocket, and hopefully he's not injured. Hopefully whatever situation is going on there, or even a backup running back. But but put on an offensive fireworks show against Kent State. Don't hold and, back, you know? And I, and I think, you know, to, to, to kind of go to your point, which is going to lead into my, my score prediction for this week, I think because we're going to be trying to focus more on the running game, it's going gonna, it's gonna to stop some of those bigger, you know, maybe uh, – 70-yard touchdown pass. Uh, I think the score is going to be a little bit lower, and I, I'm going to I'm going to actually go I'm going to actually go 48 to 12 this week. 12? 40, 48 to 12. Uh, okay. I'm, I'm not going to say that Kent State kicks some uh, kicks some field goals. I, I don't I don't think they find the end zone. And I have to have to remind you about your your disappointing track record this year, Jackson. His last game, you predicted that. The Hawks going to win 55 to 10, but it didn't happen like that. It was actually 56 to 13. Okay, so I just want to admonish you that we need we need better accuracy from our from our score prognosticators. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You know, like I, like I told you before the show, uh, I didn't know. I, I've never. I don't want any bad things to happen to Kim Little because I think he's going to have an exceptional. 
shank one off the upright. Just prove everybody can do it. Just miss this one, and let's have a good score here. And obviously, it didn't happen because Cam's money, and, and what a leg he showed to, in his first kickoff duties. I mean, he wasn't kicking the ball off last year. Uh, I, I think he, I mean, I think he's going to be a, a severe weapon for us so going through the season. Um, but we don't, we don't have to deal with disappointment, like you alluded to earlier. There's teams out there that are, are very disappointed right now, and, uh, and and we're not one of them. And we're we're one and zero. There's teams that are zero and one, and you know, and it, it's just it, it's a long season, and I, I'm. I'm sad that we've already got a week behind us because we know that there's only 11 more left, and then we'll be looking for something to do again. But man, I just I love this time of year. And well, we'll have plenty to do, won't we, Jackson? We'll have basketball season coming up. It's, what a, what a don't don't worry, fans. Yeah, we we we're going to start the season. Though. I mean, I, 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 it I, is. I'm, I'm proud of the I'm proud of the team. Proud of the effort. Oh, uh, and, and you know we 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 heard a lot of names that that we didn't know, but now we know them. Uh, we, we know what we have in our secondary. We know what those defensive linemen are like. I, I feel sorry for this team we're playing this, this week because Kent State, across yeah. the offensive line, is going to start guys that are playing their second college game, and they're going to be looking across at nothing but seniors. They're looking at, you know, uh, uh, Trey to Jeffcoat and Landon Jackson and Big Tank Booker. Uh, I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that that defensive line this year is going to be just an absolute nightmare for a lot of offensive lines, including the SEC. I totally agree, and I'm I'm looking forward to it too. I, I hope we we score. I hope we beat your uh, your prediction of a 36 point win. If, if it's only a 36 point win, I'll be a little disappointed Both because I think 37 and a half. So that's a big line yeah. for an Arkansas fan to look at. And, uh, I'm, I'm not used to seeing those big lines coming from us, so I mean, I'm, I'm thinking that we're we're heading into that Alabama territory where, where we should have been for for years now. But I'm telling you, I, I think this is the season that, that Sam Pittman's turned that corner. I, I hope so. I mean, I like what I see so far, and moving on to uh, elsewhere around the league, I'm kind of. Uh, not seeing that much strength in, in other places because uh, I guess we can move over to the uh, the LSU and Florida games. Uh, of course, uh, Florida got absolutely walloped uh, after our podcast last week on Thursday night by 14th ranked. Yeah, with then 14th ranked Utah. I believe Utah has has moved up, uh, and maybe I jinxed them by talking about how this is our year. You know, this is. This is the Hogs' year. We're going to beat the Gators, you know, and I could have scared them off, you know. But the, 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 honestly, have you? I mean, can a can a Gator? What what is a Gator going to do in the in a Salt Lake or, or in the middle of a, of a desert? You know, I mean, you talk about taking them out of their environment. Yeah. It's just not their natural habitat. So we didn't see the Florida that we're going to see uh, in in the confines of the of the good old uh, southern southern states, particularly Florida. Right. But uh, you know they were they were out of their element. It showed. Yeah. Yeah. But meanwhile, Florida. I mean, I, I think LSU was perfectly in their element with Florida State. That's that's just a you know fairly short straight trip right down I ten. You know, a lot, lot closer. Well, they had to go to Orlando, so they had to take a right turn, I guess, down uh, 
I, uh, I want to say I-70, I-70, so, somebody's going to have to correct me on that one. I have not driven that highway long enough to, uh, to know which, let me see which one that is here. I got to correct it for our fans. Don't want anybody to get 75. I was close. So you got to take a right. The real, the real head scratcher, though. I mean, you're, you're right, though. It's a real head scratcher because, uh, and, and I didn't know this until after the game was over, but apparently LSU's coach went on a podcast and he said that they were going to beat the heck. I heard about that. I heard about that. They were going to beat the heck out of them. And I just think that, you know, in the second half, it looked like a whole different LSU team came out there, and, and they made Florida State look a lot better than I think really Florida State is. I, I really uh, – I know they beat the SEC team. They beat them soundly. But Florida State's got some lumps coming. Let's just be honest about it. I mean, they, they have some lumps coming at ACC. And, but after seeing the, the, the showing that, that LSU just kind of let go of the rope in the second half, I'm, I'm I mean. I'm not really let go of the game. Go play them in, in, in Baton Rouge. I'm not. I've been saying it before the season started. I'm not. There's not anybody on the schedule that scares me. And now I'm even less afraid of the Bayou Tigers or Bengals or whatever they're calling themselves nowadays because uh, we we pose a real threat to them. And and now their backs are against the wall. And if they're not careful, uh, there's going to be receivers running open all day long. And uh, but we you know we have a few weeks left before we can you know really dash on the Tigers. But uh, I, I think we'll see a lot better team in three weeks when we play LSU. I mean, we're, we're talking about 31 unanswered points in the second half that LSU surrendered to Florida State in a nationally televised game between well, when LSU was the favored team. They were ranked fifth in the country. This is two top ten teams. This is a big, as big of a opening weekend game. At pretty much as they come, certainly the biggest this year. And 31 unanswered in the second half. Was overrated or just, what would you? Yes, I absolutely think LSU is overrated. Look, Florida State is a good team. They've, they've obviously restocked some players. But this is the same team that, uh, you know, I, I believe it was, was, was it last year that we were calling them a dumpster fire? Or was it the year before? I want to say it was two years ago. Florida State didn't make a bowl. Am I correct on that, Jackson? Yeah, two years ago. Uh, they uh, And, you know, I've been saying that if Florida State wants to prove something, they got to beat Clemson. But, obviously, beating Clemson is not, not as tough as it used to be, you know, which we found out earlier this week. But, uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, if you, if you not to jump around too much, but if you think about Duke, that's the first time that they've beaten a ranked team. 1989 since I was three years old. Well, well and I mean, I mean exactly. It, it was a very poor showing, and you have to remember going to what you said about Clemson, Clemson getting beat by Duke, and what I think is no doubt the biggest surprise by far of the weekend, getting handled by Duke 21-7, to that all those players who got handled by the Duke Blue Devils, all those players are the ones who Florida State couldn't get because they went to Clemson, the, right. the, the powerhouse of the ACC. So, no, I don't think Florida State is just loaded with players and they're going to smoke everybody 
in the country, although it may look like that given that they're going to you know, play in the ACC, which is a lot weaker than the SEC. I think LSU was badly unprepared. They looked a lot worse than uh, what they um, than, than what they are than, than the, the, their talent level. And it was like uh, Brian Kelly said, it was a disaster of coaching. Now he also said a disaster of playing. We could have stopped at the coaching. That's a coaching disaster. When you have players like LSU has, uh, their caliber players, and you get just embarrassed in the second half at a neutral site against an ACC team, uh, it was a coaching failure. And I just have to add, I have never seen Brian Kelly as an SEC coach. Brian Kelly, he's a fine coach. He's not an SEC coach. He's, he's, he's a coach from the Big Ten or from Notre Dame. He's a northern coach who's been transplanted to the SEC, and he's doing the best that he can, uh, kind of similar to how Jimbo Fisher is doing at Texas A&M. These are not SEC coaches. There's a difference. And I think he got exposed a little bit this weekend, but I expect LSU, of course, to bounce back. Um, but, yeah, it was, it, was, it was a poor effort on their part. And, you know, and I know everybody likes a little humor. And, and just to hit on the Clemson and Duke game, um, the, the quarterback for Duke, his, his name his name leaves me, but he told his mom that he said, Mom, I want you to keep me grounded before every game uh, to make sure, you know, I, you know, I keep a level head. So his mom sends him this text message before <laughs> every game. And this text message has two words from his mom to her son. <laughs> Reminded by his mother to stay grounded, but by the way, son, you suck. And okay. He writes it I thought you arm. literally so, meant grounded. I thought the two words were going to say you're grounded, but yeah. no. <laughs> to, to keep him from getting a big head, his mom reminds him of how bad he sucks. So, yeah. uh, you know, that's just a little bit of humor, and, and and it's one of the. I mean, one of the great things I love about college football, and I, I know we could we could talk about the the TCU and Colorado thing, but. Uh, and, and, and kudos to Coach Brown for, for living up to the hype for at least one game. Oh man! But to see that the man to see the man choke up in the press conference, uh, he said, "Well, the quarterback today uh, threw for 510 yards, and he just happens to be my son." And he, uh, you know, Coach Brown, you know, he was kind of joking with the media. He's like, "Well, uh, I don't know anything about football." He said, "I only played in the NFL 14 years." You know, it's just little things like that that I, I, I love about college football that, that there's nothing like it on, on this planet like college football. And, you know, like I said, kudos to Coach Prime. I mean, uh, Colorado's not going undefeated, folks. I mean, they're, they're not. Let's just face it. They won one game last year. Now they turned their whole roster over, you know, 80, 80-something new players. But they're not they're not going to win a national championship. I'm sorry to burst the, the, the Colorado bubble. Uh Deion's son is not going to win the Heisman Trophy. Uh, you know, as bad as people want to push him for that right now, they're going to take some losses, you know, because they still have to play a Pac-12 schedule. They're not playing a Big 12 schedule where they're going to have these shootout games. Eventually, they're going to play a defense like a USC or somebody like that, and they're going to be really tested. And that's when I want to see what Colorado does because evidently, when you talk about being unprepared, I don't think there's anybody – more unwell prepared to play than TCU was Saturday. 
Yeah, obviously. I mean, uh, you know, it just goes to show there's a common, yeah, a common theme is that there were teams that were highly ranked and and big-time favorites who let it get to their head in multiple multiple situations this past weekend and but I, I was a little worried about the Colorado outcome you know I, I thought the season was over after the game as you know I, I thought that, that Colorado had won the national championship we've just played a one game season and they were celebrating being the champions of college football and and we weren't going to get to see any more football I was what well, was worried it, it took me some research to find out that that was just the first game of the season and that, no, they had not actually won the national championship despite all the uh, <laughs> receipts, I think, uh, Deion Sanders mentioned. I'm a big Deion Sanders fan. I, I want him, I want Colorado to do well this year, and uh, I won't be cheering them along as they go. But the <laughs> the amount of celebration that was after that game, you get, but you got to give them credit. When you win one like that and you're that big an underdog and it's your first game at the Division One level – Go ahead and, and make a big deal out of it, you know, because it was impressive. I mean, the the like you said, 494 yards passing by his son. Hey, that's 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 those are memories that you'll never forget as a father or a son. And, and one one thing about it, if it was a one game season, I mean, do, do we does Arkansas at least get to be number two? I mean, I mean, where are we at if it's a one game season? Because I thought we were. I thought we played very well, you know, because even considering yeah. the opponent. But well, apparently, hey, let's let's not kid ourselves, Jackson, and all you listeners on the phone who bleed red and white. Let's not kid ourselves. We still are not ranked. There still is not anybody out there who believes in us. Okay, we're not. We, you know, although, although if you listen to this podcast, you believe that you're listening to the number six or number seven Arkansas Razorbacks who are, are right on the cusp of breaking through the, at the college football a top seed in the college football playoff. That's not the world that everyone else is living in. We're 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 very underrated, and we've got to play when we get to these bigger games with a chip on our shoulder. Because that's who we are. People right now think that, uh, you know, well, for one, Ole Miss and Texas A&M are just better teams than us on a neutral field. And they could be. They could be. We'll, we'll find out. But I will tell you this. I don't think LSU is the fifth best team in the country. And I do think Arkansas is one of the 25 best teams in the country based on so. That's just one thing about it, as my grandma used to say, it's all, it's all going to come out in the wash. And the, the good thing is that, that some of these teams don't have the luxury that we're fixing to have because we had one tune-up game. But now we're going to get to have a second tune-up game. There's teams this week that don't get a second tune-up game. Alabama's got to host yeah. Texas. Well, hey. Notre, NC State's got to play Notre Dame. I mean, there's teams that don't have a second tune-up. they got to get ready to, to turn it up all the way. And Arkansas still got at least another week. We don't have to turn it up all the way. We don't have to show our whole playbook. We don't have to show our stunts on defense. We don't have yep. to show our run blitzes. We yep. can just say, okay, we're going to roll. We're going to roll the ball out there like Coach Pittman loves to say, and we're going to see what happens on Saturday when we yep. play Kent State at three o'clock. We can't help who our opponent is, but if we go out there and it's forty-eight to twelve, like I predicted, or it's worse, there's going to be people who start looking. Hey, this Arkansas team's not giving up any points. They're not giving up any rushing yards. They're 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 scoring at will. 
we might need to start looking at them and let's see what they do against BYU, hey. which is our first true test of the season. It will be our first true test, and, and what we do at the BYU game, that will determine if anybody looks at us, because no matter what we do against Kent State, we're not going to gain respect for it, so we might as well go have fun. But you're right about not showing our playbook, and I 100% agree with you, Jackson. Those tune-up games are a good idea. If that's one thing we saw on this opening uh, weekend is that gets you a tune-up game because, believe me, Clemson is wishing they had not jumped into conference play with a lot of players who either haven't played football as a first college football game ever or it's, been, it's their first college football game in nine months. Yeah, and and, and, and so, you know, I want to I want to throw a, a, a nod to our guy KJ because what does he get to do with these young receivers that nobody knows? He's going to get to build chemistry on the actual playing field against real competition. He's building chemistry with these guys, and that way when we go to LSU, he's like, hey, I know I can throw this to, to Tesla, he's going to go get it. Or I know I can throw this to Bolden over here, he's going to go get it. And But now, and, 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 you know, we have a true tight end, apparently. You know, he caught the first pass of the, you know, the season for 14 yards and first down. So, KJ against these smaller teams is building a rapport with his receivers. That way, when he gets to a big time game and he gets ready to finally unload one for a 65, 70 yard bomb, he knows his receiver's going to run under. And now we're up 7 up on LSU or AM or Ole Miss or Alabama, whoever it may be. Because exactly. he's going to build this chemistry with these guys that nobody knows right now. Exactly, and that's what I'm seeing from KJ. Because as you know, on this podcast, I've not always been the biggest KJ fan. KJ's made some mental errors and some crucial errors. I'm thinking back for Texas A&M game last year that uh, that have, have cost us in the past. And I've never been totally sold on him, uh, you know, being an elite quarterback at the SEC level. But let me tell you, I'm really starting to change that. And it's just, I know, I know it's the first game. It was a poor opponent, but I saw a lot of quiet confidence from KJ Jefferson. And that's really what he's needed in his career is that maturation, having that quiet confidence and not getting flustered. And that's really what I saw, especially, you know, I think the classic play was when that that uh, pass rusher broke through and he just, you know, stood there, to, uh, bounced him off of him and, and continued with the play. And right. I think he's going to bring that because these SEC teams, he's he's been through the trials. He's been through the fires for – uh, you know, years now, and, and now he's a senior, he's gone into LSU before. He's gone into Ole Miss. He's played Texas A&M at the neutral site. And so I, I do feel like KJ is at that point where he is ready to to take that next step. And, I mean, I'm not predicting that we're going to win every game that we have in those situations, but he's. It's, I don't see KJ being the one – who lets us down this year. I really don't see that. I think he is going to be the steady presence. And, and and you know, if, if we – maybe some other teams, I mean, maybe some other parts of our game will let down, maybe the defense, maybe the running game. But with the ball in K.J.'s hands, if he can stay healthy, stay upright, uh, I just feel good with the ball in his hands. I really do. You know, and, and, and just to give one more nod, and, you know, as we close the – close the book on that game uh no sacks given up by the offensive line uh, and that you know, yes uh, that's very positive obviously obviously 
but you know, other than that play, <laughs> AJ goes untouched the whole game. So, uh, you know, he, he doesn't even get touched. I know he had a bad snap. He had the ball on a fumble. Uh, yep. But yep. You know, we gotta clean that up. Get, you're gonna get cleaned up over the next few weeks, and you know, I think we're gonna play Chris this weekend, and um, just I mean, looking forward to another great game. Um, now I know, yeah. I know we, well, have, I know we have, I know we have big games to discuss, but uh, you know, I, I'm. I'm satisfied with our with our week one performance. I, I give I give the overall overall team. I'm going to give the overall team an A minus because of uh, because of you know the 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 inability to run the ball even you know against the stack box. But the the defense I mean carried us in that grade. And I, I'm going to I'm going to leave it at A minus for week one. Okay, I I agree. I'd, I'd have to. I wouldn't give them less than A minus. I liked what I saw out there. I thought they handled their business very professionally because believe me we've seen games go sideways against small opponents in little rock before unfortunately and in Fayetteville. and this was not one of those these this was a classic taking care of business but not trying too hard or you know basically getting your feet under your game that's what we did but uh looking forward like you said to lsu i love how the schedule works out obviously we need to take care of kent state and then we need to take care of byu I love how it gradually builds in uh, difficulty. You know, first game here in Little Rock, then we got Kent State, uh, and then we got BYU. So we have two games to get our feet under us. Then we got a little bit tougher game against a non-conference opponent who we know we can beat at home. And then we come with that big game while we're still fresh, while we haven't got beat up by somebody like a Mississippi State in Auburn who is a team we should beat, but they'll beat you up doing that. They'll take a lot of your emotional energy fighting through a game like that because they're an SEC opponent. I like how we jump straight into LSU. And to be honest with you, I looked at LSU. Well, I looked at LSU's schedule, and um, they play Mississippi State the week we play BYU, which is good because I think the first team that LSU plays out of the SEC, they're going to be geared up. Because they do not want what happened against Florida State. I guarantee you, LSU is on their guard right now, and there's a fire being lit under a bunch of people in Baton Rouge. We do not want to play them this this coming week, or really the week after that. But after they play Mississippi State, and hopefully they get beat up a little bit, and hopefully they win that game by a good amount, as they should against Mississippi State. Um. I think that's the time to pounce on them. That's the time to go down there. And they've gotten that win. Mississippi State, everybody's feeling good. They're breathing a sigh of relief. Hey, we're not as bad as we looked against Florida State. You know, now we've got Arkansas coming in, and they're not even ranked. Not even ranked. We've got we've got four or five other teams up ahead that we really want to gear up for. We got our we got our SEC win out of the way. Now let's just take care of little Arkansas here, and then let's move on down the line, get to Alabama and A&M. That's the mindset we want to have them in. That's the mindset we're going to beat them in because they're not going to be loading up. They loaded up for Florida State, and they're going to be on their guard for Mississippi State. But when we come in for that home game, they're not going to be quite as 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 you know frothing at the mouth as they would be, I think, in another situation. And um, and to be honest with you, whether they're motivated or not, 
LSU needs more time. That's one thing you saw from that game. They are not ready to dominate people right now. They're not. Now, in November, you've seen it so many times. In November, you, you're, you'll be playing a different team than what came out against Florida State or anybody in the in first game of September. Right. That's a different like team. Last year. Yeah, just like they did last year. They uh, but, turned it yeah. over again yeah, this year. And, you know, uh, but, you know, they're – I know we have, you know, I know we have, but you know, a few big games uh, this weekend, and uh, I, I know the one that, you know, obviously we, we always have our eyes on Arkansas, but I, there, there's probably a game that I would say that you have your eyes on. Uh, would, wouldn't you say so? Well, that would be the NC State game. We played Connecticut, and uh, actually played them in Connecticut, believe it or not, which was very unusual. Yep. And uh, we, we took care of business. Took care of business. A nice uh, 24 to 10 win uh, in UConn. And so, I'm sorry, 24 to 14. And, uh, you know, no, nothing too impressive. But, um, you know, we, we jumped on them, you know, pretty uh, well. I mean, it was 10 to 7 halftime lead. So it was basically a comfortable, you know, they scored the first touchdown on us. And then we came back with the equalizer. And after that, we never trailed. And yep. NC State is a classic team that relies on defense. Right. And that's that's what we did in that game, too. Obviously, we're, we're working in a brand-new quarterback. Um, and interestingly, I've never seen this from NC State. We are kind of quarterback you, for those of y'all who know our, our progeny and Russell Wilson and uh, 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 Jacoby Brissett and um, – and you go down the line, uh, Philip Rivers. I mean, all, all NC State quarterbacks. I could list about three more if I wanted to get to the backups. But we have a running quarterback this year. Our, our quarterback only passed for 155 yards, but he ran. He had 19 carries for 96 yards and two scores. Armstrong, Brandon Armstrong. So um, we we at least started a running quarterback now. I don't know if, if he's just the guy who started this game because, you know, he's he's newcomer to the team. Uh, obviously, we, we had our, our senior leave us last year once he got injured. But, um, you know, it's going to be interesting. I'm not sure, you know, I, I, have to, I have to get used to having a running quarterback. But as long as he keeps producing like he did in, against Connecticut, uh, I'll be happy with that for sure. Notre Dame. Oh yeah, that's hey, that's going to be a good one. That is a big game. Let's get some thoughts on that. Uh, um, oh, number to, ten in the country. I want to go Ooh. ahead and go out on a limb, and, and, and I I just want to go ahead and throw this out there. Uh, it's been a while. I mean, it's been a whole year since I threw out an upset pick of the week, and there's nothing better that I want to pounce on than the North Carolina State Wolfpack to upset Notre Dame. That's what I'm going to go with. Uh, I've, had, I've had that circle since I've seen the matchup. And <laughs> I, that's, that's my pick this week, uh, NC State over Notre Dame. Okay. Well, I would like that to happen. Now, Notre Dame has already played two games this year already. So they got an early start on everybody against Navy on August 26th, beat them 42-3. to yeah. And then Notre Dame followed that up with Tennessee State beat them 56 to three 
Yeah. Notre Dame has given us no reason whatsoever to doubt their capability. Um, obviously, like yeah, that's that's true, and obviously this is being played in Raleigh, so it, it will be a, a big game. And, Something and, about that stadium in Raleigh, you know, it's just somebody to go there and just think, oh, well, this is a win. Let's go ahead and move on to next week. Uh, as Lee Corso would say, not so fast, my friend. You have to contend with that Wolfpack over there in their backyard with all those rowdy, crazy Wolfpack fans. And I'm just going to say that the home field advantage takes us effect against Notre Dame this weekend. <laughs> that would be that would be very apt given the name of our show. So I, I certainly as a Wolfpack fan hope they do. Yep. And uh, you know they're only uh, the Notre Dame is only a seven point favorite right now on FanDuel. So uh, that's actually I, I would expect it to be more being that they're a top ten team. But they're giving us they're giving us a little, little bit of credit. So The prognosticators that make those lines, I think they, they probably see a little something in the water like I do. Uh, you know, you got to contend with North Carolina State when you go over there. You can't go over there uh, half-heartedly or, or the Wolfpack are going to, you know, rip your hearts out. And, uh, and I think, I mean, I, I can see that happening this weekend. I hope so. I, I do think it's a benefit that we're playing them early just like it's a benefit for Arkansas to play LSU early. Right. I, I do think, obviously, NC State doesn't have the talent that Notre Dame does. Just like Arkansas, you know, we, you know, according to at least the experts, don't have the talent LSU does. But when you get them early, they, don't, they haven't had time to gel and, and get comfortable yet. And right. that's what we need to do with Notre Dame here, even though they have had two games under their belt. Um, now, I wouldn't predict NC State to win this, especially with a new quarterback. Um, again, I haven't seen, I have not yet seen this quarterback play or NC State play um, yet this season. But what I do like is that this is going to be the first time in a while that NC State will be playing on a nationally televised game. So this is 11 o'clock on ABC, everyone. Uh, even even you Arkansas fans who don't care about NC State. Uh, it'll be it'll be the first game on your TV on Saturday morning in case you want to tool over and see what's going on. Um, let's see what other type of big games we got going on this week. Any of them that, that jump out to you, Jackson? That you want to give us a prediction on? Well, I, I think I, I think if you if you scroll down there somewhere, I, I think if, if my memory serves me correct, I, I believe that the the Iowa Hawkeyes are playing uh, another beloved team of mine, uh, the, the Iowa State Cyclones. Uh, okay. This weekend. And uh, obviously, you know, uh, if anybody's listened to us over the, the, the years now, uh, I'm, I'm going to pick Iowa State. Uh, you know, I, you know <laughs> I, I, that, that's my one of my, you know, uh, my favorites across the, the – the realm of college uh, football, and uh, I, I would pick Iowa State to beat Iowa this weekend. All right. Well, we wouldn't expect anything less from you in that one for sure. So you heard it there. Action Jackson calling Iowa State over Iowa in that game of unranked teams from the – well, one of them's from the Big Ten, the other one's from the Big 12. Um, they actually have Iowa's four-point favorites in Ames, which is um, – 
which is prob- probably a betting opportunity, at least uh, if you're the same mind as, as action here. Uh, but we can't forget about the elephant in the room, action. Well, first of all, before we get to that, let's, let's start off with one of my favorite teams, or go next to one of my favorite teams, come fresh off their legendary, legendary, and again, I just keep, I wasn't able to make it to the game, and it just burns me up every time I think about it, because we had some bad weather in January there. But coming off the Cotton Bowl win against USC last year, the two-lane green wave make another appearance in a marquee matchup on ESPN2, 2.30 p.m. on Saturday, when they host the Ole Miss Rebels of the SEC in a matchup between teams that are geographically very close to each other but don't face each other much. Uh, Jackson, are we seeing another SEC team fall in a surprise upset this week? Um, I mean, I, I did. Oh, and let me, before, you, before you answer that, let me tell you, the Green Wave are ranked. They are the number 24 team in the country. Ole Miss is number 20. So this is a battle between two ranked teams. And let me also tell you, believe it or not, this game is being played in New Orleans. As far as I can see, uh, I'm sorry. Yes, it's being played in New Orleans, but not the Superdome. It's actually being played in Tulane's own Yulman Stadium in New Orleans. So factor that in when, when you're thinking about your answer here, Jackson. Not to put any pressure on you. <laughs> uh, you know, I, when I seen the matchup, uh, obviously I didn't I didn't realize that uh, that Tulane was was ranked. Uh, that that's a game that's really going to test uh, if, if Ole Miss is ready to turn that corner that everybody in in Oxford thinks they are. Uh, obviously, the, the the last time that Tulane played a big name opponent, we we know what happened. And like you said in the Cotton Bowl, when they beat the Heisman Trophy winning quarterback Caleb Williams in USC. Uh, I think if I mean I, I think that's a matchup that you could look at as as Tulane uh, continuing to to make their make their name once again in, in the, the the realm of college football. Uh, but I, I can't I can't predict that Ole Miss is going to lose it. You know. Uh, okay. But well, you hey you're with the you're with the rest of them because the experts on ESPN. Tulane's going to be geared up for that game, and, and I think it, I, I think they could they could pose a threat to Ole Miss. I'm, I'm a little bit surprised, given that you predicted famously, and we have this on our podcast, folks. In case you want to roll back a little bit to uh, our one of our December podcasts and uh, the the bowl game podcast, where Action Jackson predicted a two-lane upset of the USC Trojans in a game that. Many people thought it was going to be a laugher, but turned out to be the greatest Green Wave victory of my lifetime, and most likely ever. Well, I'm here to tell you, I wouldn't. I'm usually, uh, you know, more cautious about these things, but I predict a two-lane victory this weekend against Ole Miss. Oh, hey, I, I love, I, I love it. I absolutely love it. All right. All right. Now, now let's, let's move, let's move on, on to the, to the, the elephant in the room. Literally, and that is the marquee matchup between Alabama and Texas, a rematch of one of the biggest games in college football last year 
that was barely won by Alabama on the late field goal. Uh, Texas is ranked number 11. Alabama is ranked number three. And even though it's being played in Tuscaloosa, Alabama is only a seven-point favorite on ESPN at 6 o'clock this Saturday. Jackson, does Texas finish off what they couldn't quite finish last year? Texas gave them last year if Alabama was not highly prepared to play football in this game, and I think the, the safe money is on the tide for sure. You know, I would, um, this, I would say this also. If, if, if that was a game that Texas went in there and, and just shocked the world and, and really beat up on Alabama, uh, I, I think as, as Razorback fans, we might as well get ready. This could very well be our year that we've been looking for if that was to happen. But I, don't, I, I do not foresee it happening. I don't either. In fact, I don't want it to happen because I want Alabama. I want to fatten them up like a like a nice nice a calf or or, or a prize pig that we're going to slaughter come up uh, in the middle of October. I want Alabama to be undefeated, untouched, and with a head that's that's uh, like a helium balloon by the time the Razorbacks roll into town. And uh, so I, I don't want any wake up calls for Alabama. I, I want I want them to. To keep plugging along with their, uh, what you say, ninth-ranked quarterback, and thinking everything is is fine and dandy, ninth-ranked in the league, and and then Arkansas comes in, and what do you know? What do you know? Tuscaloosa. All streaks have to end. And their own Tuscaloosa paper called KJ Jefferson the best quarterback in the conference, so they don't even believe in their own quarterback. So, uh, you know, but let's That's just make, let's make no mistake about it. Let's make no mistake about it. Arkansas causes. Uh, but you know, uh, uh, before that, we have to take care of business this weekend. Let's not 
That's we right. far ahead of ourselves. Let's take care of Kent State, let Jacoby Criswell, uh, Isaiah Augusto, and some of these young guys get in the game early in the second half and, and uh, you know, and, and get some playing time under their belt yes. because, you know, we might need them. We, we, may, we may need them down the road. Uh, Probably will. Yeah. Given how, how injuries go, for sure. Right. And that's what we want to that's what we want to do. Um, we also have a ranked opponent, uh, or another ranked team, Wisconsin. I thought found this interesting, even though it's not too big of a game. I actually enjoyed this game quite a bit last year, where Wisconsin got beat at home by this team. Now they have to travel and play them. And that's Wisconsin going to Washington State. Which I find this interesting because, you know, four teams jumped ship from the Pac-12 and they went over to the Big Ten. Well, interestingly enough, it wasn't one of the teams who's already playing a biannual matchup with another Big Ten team, which is Washington State. You would think that they would be the first team to jump because, heck, they're already playing Wisconsin in this uh, agreement to play back-to-back years. So might as well just join the whole doggone conference, especially after Washington State showed that they could play by going into Wisconsin and beating them last year. Right. But interestingly, Washington State is not one of the teams who's leaving the Pac-12, and they're currently, I think, looking for a conference. Or, or are they? Have, have they? Have Washington State gone to a conference? I don't. I don't think that they've made any kind of decision. I think that you know the the rumors that. It, probably going to be the Mountain West that's going to take in those yeah. other four teams, but it hasn't been confirmed. But I will say this, what? you know, I don't, I don't agree with the talking heads and everything about Wisconsin. I'm not buying the hype. I'm not drinking the Kool-Aid. Wisconsin's not going to win the Big Ten. Uh, I, I do I do think that the Big Ten is 10 states to win or lose this year. Uh, Ohio State was not impressive over the weekend against Indiana. Uh, Penn State was impressive at home against West Virginia. And I, I do think that, that Penn State is, is – they control their own destiny if they want to win the Big Ten or not. Uh, you know, well, I, I'd like to propose they, this. I'd like to propose this. But I, I think that Wisconsin gets a test on the road, and, and I don't think that they uh, – uh, I, I think this would this would, would show if they're, they're actually ready to win the Big Ten or not. Well, let, let me make a little proposition here since Washington State is in a bind is let's raise the stakes for this game. Whoever wins this game stays in the go, either goes or stays in the Big Ten, and whoever loses it is out. So Wisconsin, if they, if they go to Washington State and they get beat, they're the team without a conference. And Washington State is snugly in the Big Ten. Let's do that. Doesn't that sound, sound fair? I, I, I would love to see that. I like it. A game with real implications for, for the future of the universe of these sports programs. I mean, I know Fresno State's not in the Pac-12, but but they went into Purdue and won last weekend, so I think I think Purdue should be out. Uh, you know, so <laughs> <laughs> maybe yeah, maybe Fresno State. With the way it's going, anything can happen. Anything can happen. Gonna, I think that those four teams are going to end up part of the Mountain West Conference. I, I just think that they're they're going to make some kind of deal out there, and what used to be the Pac-12 will no longer be, and then there would just be the Mountain West out there. We got another game out here. By the way, uh, oh yeah, um, you're, you're picking. Uh, did you say Wisconsin's going to take care of business in that game? Or they're I, a I six think point they take, I think they should take care of business. Yeah. 
That's good. Let's let's go on to our our next game here. We got uh, and this is an eye popping line for me. Utah, who's now number twelve in the country, goes into Waco to play Baylor. Never would have thought you'd ever see this line three years ago. Utah is an eight point favorite in Waco. What do you make of that, Jackson? Is this is this some upset soup brewing here? I, I, uh, I, I would normally jump on that upset soup, but Utah beat Florida with their backup quarterback, and uh, Cam Rising should be back for Utah. And uh, I'm not really sure what what Baylor's got going on, but there's there's a lot of unrest that went on in Baylor. They lost the you know quite a bit off their defense, and I just don't I don't think they have enough left to, to really contend with uh, with a Caleb Rising led uh, Utah. Yeah, okay. Well, I mean, that's – I wouldn't be surprised if, if Baylor – now, Baylor did lose their first game, so that's probably baked into the line. But to me, that almost kind of helps Baylor because, man, you've got Baylor kind of going with his back up against the wall here, staring at a possible 0-2 deficit. And meanwhile, everybody is just jumping on Utah and bandwagon and saying how great they are. It is an 11 o'clock game, which I think helps Baylor. Utah's got to travel, and they're, of course, coming off of Pacific time. Um, I'm going to call uh, – I think it will be a very good game. I, I can't outright say that Baylor is going to, going to beat them, especially after getting beat by Texas State at home last week. Baylor got beat 42-31 by Texas State. So I think it will be a better game than most people think. But uh, I have to, you know, I'm not, I'm not ready to stick my, stick my head out that far with, especially after what Utah showed. Uh, they'll probably pull it out. They'll most likely pull it out. But I'm, I'm tempted. It, it's, I, I would, I would probably take the eight points because I think it'll be within a touchdown. Uh, anyway, that's my thought on that. And then we got one more game that's worth discussing here, and that is, well, we got maybe, maybe three more games. One of them, Oregon goes to Texas Tech. Similar situation, uh, 6 o'clock on Fox on Saturday. Oregon's 13th ranked in the country. Texas Tech is coming off a opening week loss, similar to Baylor, to Wyoming. A 35-33 a to 33 double overtime loss in Wyoming. And so, uh, have you gotten that one, Jackson? Uh, I, I don't think that there's any reason to pick against the Dubs here. Uh, they, we obviously know that they're not going to play any defense in the Pac-12 or the Big 12, excuse me. And uh, I, I think I think Oregon, Oregon, probably probably beats them by a lot side of margin. Uh, okay. You know, Pac-12 matchup might be the last time we see this matchup for a while. USC, number six in the country, hosting the Stanford Cardinal. Do you think Stanford gives them a, a nice going-away present in Los Angeles? You know, if, if that game was being played, you know, up there amongst the trees, I, I might be tempted to say that Stanford, you know, gives them a little bit of a fight. But, uh, I, I mean, I think, I think USC is – I think they got their eyes set on that that final uh, Pac-12 team to represent the Pac-12 in the college football playoff. And uh, I, I think 
that USC, USC handles them pretty, pretty easily. All right. We also have here, um, what is this other one? Oh, we got Texas A&M, number 23 in the country, going to the Miami Hurricanes in what might be one of the better games of the week. This is at 2.30 p.m. on ABC right after NC State gets done finishing off Notre Dame. Who you, who you got in that game? Well, I think this is going to be uh, uh, former Arkansas coach Petrino's. Uh, this is going to be his first test. Uh, you know, I, I, I think that this, this could be a high-scoring affair. Uh, and I, I obviously don't like Texas A&M, but it's hard to go against the SEC. And I think this SEC ACC matchup will probably go to A and M, but I'm going. I'm going to pick Miami to win at home. Miami at home. Well, I will let you know. Last week, Miami did certainly uh, gave gave you every reason to pick them in a, in a game that I think is probably a little bit of comedy. They played Miami of Ohio, hosted them, so it was Miami against Miami. On the first opening week of the year, and Miami beat Miami beat Miami thirty-eight to three. I'll let you guess which state that team was from. Um, but uh, yeah, they're they're going to be hosting a game that I think is uh, it's uh, frankly Texas A&M is going to benefit from playing them on the week after they saw Clemson and Florida and LSU get toppled because Texas A&M that was a it's just like uh, I think teams benefit in the NCAA tournament in basketball and March Madness. They benefit from playing on the second day because that first day, especially those early games, that's when you get the bucket of cold water. And everybody, you, that's when you get the 15, the 14 seeds start winning, and suddenly everybody's like, whoa, no, this is, this is serious. We could really get beat by this little team that we've been laughing at for the past five days. And those teams that come after them have the advantage because they just saw Duke and, and Kansas, you know, get knocked out of the tournament. That ain't going to happen to us. I think Texas A&M might have uh, a little bit of that going for them, but I don't think it's – like you said, I'm not sure it's going to be enough because Miami is a good team, and Texas A&M has a lot of changes going on. They're having to travel – they're unproven. They're going to be, you know, in a hostile environment. They have a lot of pressure on them because they have a big fan base. And I, um, think, I don't know if it's how the whole season is going to go, but, you know, I, I heard that, you know, Coach Petrino was, was up in the booth. And I don't know if that's, a, if that's a good thing for college football or if that's a bad thing because we know he's a good offensive mind. And, and for him to be up in that booth seeing the whole field, that – that might give Texas A&M an advantage. Uh, it could. It could. Throughout the season. But uh, we'll, we'll see. I mean, we'll, we'll find out what Texas A&M is made of this week. And uh, I look forward to watching that game and kind of doing a little, little scouting of a, you know, a, an opponent we have coming up. Absolutely. I think it will be a good game. Last game for us to talk about. We got the uh, defending national champion. I'm sorry. Not the defending national champion. But the week one winners, the Colorado Buffaloes are hosting the Nebraska Cornhuskers in their first, I believe it's a conference in Colorado. Have they switched over yet to the big? They have not. Okay. And what will next year be a, uh, a conference matchup for them? 
They play Nebraska at 11 o'clock. Mark your calendars. 11 o'clock on Fox. Number 22. Hey, and let me repeat. Number 22, Colorado. Colorado is now ranked. Didn't see that coming, did you? No, I didn't. And, you know, what What they have to avoid here is that, uh, is that, is that letdown game. After you come off a big win uh, that nobody really gave you a chance in other than, than in-house and, you know, maybe your fans, now you get to host, uh, you know, who's going to be an upcoming rival for you. Uh, and you got to avoid the letdown game. And if anybody can get their – his players ready, you know. Uh, you know, Coach Coach Brown can probably tell his players, you know, hey, we're we're not we're TCU's over with. We're not dwelling on TCU anymore. We're playing Nebraska this week, and I, I think you know they they avoid that. And uh, uh, Nebraska just really didn't look good in their opener. I don't know if them and Minnesota have two of the best defenses in the country, or if they're just that bad. Uh, but Nebraska got their hands full, and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna pick Colorado. I have to pick Colorado, too. I really think that, it's like people have said, this is not just Deion Sanders coming into Colorado and taking over as a head coach. This is Deion Sanders bringing a whole group of players that he's been working with for years, some, some in, and before they even came to college, especially in some Over 80 sports. players. Over 80 players turned over the whole roster. I mean, Turned over the whole roster. So he's yeah. bringing in hand-picked players to come in and – that to me, that that changes the calculus because we're we're seriously underestimating, you know, the talent level on Colorado based on them being, you know, one of the worst teams, if not the worst team in all of college major college football last year. Right. Um, they're playing at home, and Nebraska is one of those teams that, you know, it, it, it almost it makes you feel sad a little bit because. That, you know, they were such a power. I mean, back when you and me were kids, the the, t- the term Nebraska, no, there was no bigger team in college football than Nebraska. When you heard Nebraska, that was synonymous with just absolutely um, um, just just oppression of other teams, you know? I mean, no. they, they were at times a team that you didn't think that could be beaten because they were just so stacked with strength and, and speed, and you know? You know, I think they've got a coach there now in Matt Rule. I, I, I think that he's, uh, he, he's the kind of coach, you know, with NFL experience, obviously, uh-huh. with the Carolina Panthers. And uh, I think he's the kind of coach to put Nebraska back in prominence. And if you're, if you're going to do that, then this is the kind of game that you have to win. Yeah. If you're and, and, but that's to, also... And Those are the same words they said about Chad Morris. Don't forget. And I don't think, and I don't think that <laughs> I don't think that I don't think they're there yet. I don't think they have the. I don't think he has the manpower to go to Colorado and get that done. And I didn't think I'd ever say that about uh, about Colorado uh, again in my lifetime. But you know, uh, they're, they're something to be reckoned with. And, uh, and yep. let's just see if they're if they're worthy of that top twenty-five ranking. We'll see. We're moving on. We got the NFL season coming up. Finally, it's going to be time for some NFL football. Everybody's been waiting for that, too. So we got our college football. Now we got our NFL. And, you know, this actually might be a sore topic for you, Jackson. That's why we're leaving it to the end. But do the Buccaneers, do they, do they have any, any glimmer of hope this year 
of being able to maybe make a run at that last wild card. Well, it, I mean, there's no let's make no mistake about it. It comes down to two teams in the South. It comes down to, to, to my beloved Buccaneers and your beloved Saints. Uh, uh, Carolina's, uh, you know, definitely in a, in a rebuild mode. Atlanta's, mm-hmm. <laughs> Atlanta's really – Atlanta anymore to me is a joke. And I'm glad those two teams. I'm, I'm glad those two teams are playing each other in Week One. Uh, I, I don't. I don't like uh, that Tampa goes to Minnesota in Week One. I don't like us to win that game. Uh, but if, if Baker's able, if Baker Mayfield is able to establish some chemistry with these receivers, we know what the defense is about. We know what the defense is going to do. Uh, we got to keep Baker Mayfield healthy because uh, evidently they don't believe in Kyle Trask. Uh, I, I do think that we can make a run at that wild card spot but I also do think that we do have a, enough talent to once again uh, compete for our division uh, with the Saints and because uh, the Saints are a force to be reckoned with and uh, and I, I think that the, the, the Saints should should win our division uh, I'm, I would I would actually pick the Saints over the Buccaneers to win the division uh, and possibly the Bucs to get the wild card as far as you know, uh, you know the, the whole the whole season as as, as a whole. I, I think we can. I think we're probably a wild card team right now. But I want to see how these first four weeks go because they're all against NFC opponents. So if we can win two or three of them, you know we'll we'll be right there at the end. Well, the, I, I, and that's I could see Baker Mayfield being better than people think he will be this year. He's certainly got the receivers. And uh, quite a good right back in Chase Edmonds, too, in the backfield. And, of course, the, many of the, defend, the defensive players are still there. Uh, we know Tampa can play defense. I agree with you. I think Tampa's probably the second-best team in that division. But as for my beloved New Orleans Saints, we have, we have returned to our old stomping grounds of the pre-Tom Brady era, in which we have hopefully are hoping to take the mantle our, our, our favorite mantle, and that's being the best team in the worst division in football. And it's almost like that the story of the, of the, the, the four men who encounter the lion, and you say, well, you know, what's the point of running? You know, the lion can outrun all of us. I don't have to outrun the lion. I just have to outrun you. And that's the way the Saints look at, at that NFL season. They don't have to be a, a, a best football team or even a good football team to make the playoffs and get home field advantage in the first round. They just have to be better than the Atlanta Falcons, the Carolina Panthers, and the cross your fingers better than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's all you got to do. It's not that hard. Okay? You know, it's like, that's like telling Gonzaga, look, all you got to do is beat St. Mary's. You're going to win this division. They're going to give you the one seat, all right? You just got to to beat, you know, Hampton or whoever, Polytechnical Institute, okay? Uh, all right, Coach, we can do it. That's, that, that's hopefully going to be our game plan. We play ten, Saints play Tennessee at home um, to start off with, 12 o'clock on CBS. Tennessee's a good team. They were – had a down year last year. Do you think that gives us any trouble? I don't. I don't think they give me any trouble at all. Uh, I think the, the the Saints start one and zero, and unfortunately, I think the Bucks start zero and one. Yeah. Minnesota's the Minnesota's the real deal up there. Oh yeah, they got a good program, and 
they're another team that with with the loss of Aaron Rodgers, they're also competing to to have the worst division in in football, with uh, you know the Bears, the Aaron Rodgers Packers, and actually the Detroit Lions might be good this year. We'll uh, I, we'll I, see about them. And, and you uh, know, and I, I don't, I'm not one to make real big predictions in the NFL, but I actually I actually like the Lions to be competitive tomorrow night against the Chiefs. Um, okay. You know, and you know the, the Chiefs obviously they're Super Bowl. Um, they're not going to repeat. Let's just put that out there right now. They're not wow. going to repeat. It's not going to happen. Uh, it's, it's one of the hardest things to do. Uh, Brady couldn't do it. Mahomes not going to do it either. Uh, you know, I mean, Brady, Brady could do it in Tampa. You know, he, he's not. Yeah. Patrick Mahomes is not repeating. I don't know who's going to win the Super Bowl, but it's not going to be Kansas City. And, well, and uh, uh, I, I, would, I would actually go out on a limb and say that, you know, don't be surprised, folks, if, if Detroit goes into Kansas City and wins. I will be surprised. I will be surprised if that if that happens. Then then this is the coming of a new era you in the NFL. It's definitely you know you definitely know football season's here. You know you got high school games on Friday, you got college on Saturday, yep. you got NFL on Sunday and Monday. So football season's here and it's, it's here, here until February. So yes, this is the start of the best time of the of the year, and it's starting right now, pal. I couldn't be glad, couldn't be more excited. I'm glad that we get to discuss it every week, and uh, I, I definitely look forward to to just uh, this, this great, you know, second season, and uh, look forward to all bright things in the future. I am too. And speaking of bright things, we got a big announcement to make here for all you fans who stuck with us to the very end. We have a Twitter now. We have opened a Twitter account. Our our handle is Home Field underscore ADV. So so type that into your, your Twitter. Uh, you're actually going to have to type in outright because we're brand new, so it probably won't pop up in your suggestions. But home field underscore ADV. That's our Twitter handle. If you want to send us any comments or likes or suggestions or give us any feedback about how bad we are at predicting scores, <clears throat> cough to Action Jackson? No, I'm kidding. We know Action's the best of them. One of the best of them for sure. But uh, that's that's how you can interact with us. Um, absolutely. And tell your so, friends. I mean, and tell your friends. That's, that's right. Absolutely. We love, we love engagement. For sure. Yeah, and, and tell them if they're not following us, then uh, they're missing out because we got a whole season's worth of, of content and now two episodes this season. So, uh, you know, if you're cool enough to follow ESPN, you might as well be following us too. And that's, and that's it. it. All right, we right, look we forward to hearing from you and seeing you again next, next week, week, same time. time. And let's go, let's Hogs go and uh, Jackson, Jackson will send us off. Well, I was just, uh, man, just uh, another another great time together. And uh, obviously, well, I just want to say, Amen to that. Go Hogs. Amen. Amen.